Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I'm Dev. And I'm Hugh. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at minute 15, where we are still in the therapist's office listening to the interplay between Alan Arkin's father figure and John Cusack's assassin Martin Q. Blank. Joining us on today's show, we have David Forsyth. Welcome to the show, David. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Doing all right. Excellent, excellent. It's been great having you here all week with us. Yeah, been fun. Cool. So, Dev, your favorite film of all time. Here we are (laughs) once (laughs) again. We're back again. Um, So this is uh, kind of... Almost the very end of this dialogue. We're going to have, I think, one more minute afterwards of um, uh, in in the therapist's office. But uh, we've kind of been talking about how we've got Doctor Oatman as this father figure character, uh, and we start to see that relationship build through this dialogue. At this point, you know, there's been a lot of tension and a lot of um, antagonism back and forth. And now it's starting to become finally a productive therapy session. Um, you know, Martin is, is starting to get some advice. He's starting to bring out the things that he really wants to talk about. And Oatman's finally somewhat receptive to hearing them. Yeah, he's, he's definitely sort of reluctant about it. Like the Cusack or Martin is sort of prompting his own treatment at points he's like <laughs> tell me come on just ask me what you'd ask me or what do you want to talk about next right like he's um he's doing that and that's you know we've in the previous minute he sort of laid out all the reasons why he couldn't treat him and here he kind of gets into that a little bit and i think you know we talked about how this is sort of a, a proto sopranos kind of relationship and and that that show did a good job of doing the similar things over a much longer period of time where like we can't do this, but I want to keep doing it because it's interesting you know, because it's fascinating kind of thing. And, you know, like he's, he's, he's still putting up the wall. He's still, he's still being um, like, no, I shouldn't be doing this. There's the, the point where I think he grabs a rosary in this minute or something yeah, like that. And starts does, yeah. kind of like thumbing through it. So like, he's, he's clearly still got <clears throat> objections going on, but like it's, it's clear that it's more than just the intimidation that's mm. keeping him talking here. So. Have you guys seen the title of the green book that the doctor's got on his desk? <laughs> Adolescent Ad- Psychiatry. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. There we go. That cements yeah. everything we're saying right there. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to catch it last minute and I couldn't quite see it on screen clearly enough. And then yeah. just to see where we're asking, it was focused on Oatman's out of the desk and I could yeah. just make it out, yeah. Yeah, the the, 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 the wide shot when he's over Oatman's shoulder when he's leaning down over the rosary and you can see blank in, you know, slightly further, left or right of centre. Yeah, nice and clear down there. But that just cements everything, doesn't it? Um, right there. Although I do like... <laughs> I do like the idea about... Uh, I don't want to suggest anything that might be uncomfortable for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. When he, we, I mean, and that's the the bit that I think we we kind of touched on a little bit last time too. That he's, this is the, it's the most obvious thing, right? Like, if you find out that there's a, a contract killer having emotional problems, 
uh, you know, like <laughs> it's the Occam's razor of, of uh, therapy here for him, mm, but mm. Uh, he, he just rejects it like straight out of hand. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we talked last time about, uh, or two episodes ago about um, uh, PTSD and, and, and mm. post combat, you know, attitudes to veterans and post-combat stress and, 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 and reactions and psychology. I The other thing that strikes me here, and this may be because I teach in an all-boys school, I don't know, but, <laughs> and it's also, I should say, a very heavily, for, for, for the UK, it's a fairly military school as well. We still have three active cadet forces, all three cadet, active cadet forces and a number of ex-military on staff. Um, but it, that, that, refusal to 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 even begin to entertain the idea that the thing you're good at is the problem hmm. just strikes me as not just a military thing that strikes me as a, a masculinity thing there's right? there's a lot of alpha male going on isn't there yes yeah 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 it can't possibly be that you know because yeah. i'm that's what i'm good at how could that be the problem <laughs> yeah and it, he he sort of lays it out as Virtuous may not be the right term, but it, you know, I think this is the minute where he says that, you know, if you, if I show up at your door, there's a reason, like you've done something for it, but like we've seen, you know, like who he's going to be contracted to kill and, and some of the other people it's, it's unclear as to, you know, it doesn't seem like he's doing a lot of time spending time figuring out who he's going to kill. He takes the contract and he, spends the time figuring out how he's going to kill them right he, yep. he's he's about his method not about not about why he's not he's not some vigilante he's he's he takes the contracts for people who want someone murdered right? and, unless not, it's a greenpeace boat he draws the line <laughs> greenpeace, right? and, and dogs <laughs> but you're right you've got the first hit right the cyclist which is you know pretty relatable right you're protecting somebody else it, that the cyclist yeah. was going to kill somebody else it's it's quite an easy thing to pitch regardless of you know how you know good the the, the actual end target was the the, the character that dan Acro, um grocer takes out in the end but uh in the second hit it's a lot harder to justify right you're just trying to execute a guy in his sleep and then when it goes sideways and he has to confront the guy the guy is like, you know, whatever it is, I'll 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 stop doing it. Mm. And uh, Martin Blank has no qualms about what he's doing or seemingly no qualms about what he's doing. It, right. I guess this, this whole sequence kind of emphasizes that maybe that's not quite as clear cut. But you're right. It's a job and he's paid to do it. And so he does it. He doesn't really spend much time, I think, belaboring the consequences. It's just a mantra that he's had drilled into him, right? That mm-hmm. And I think right after he gives that explanation, doesn't he then just say like, "I don't even want to talk about morality," right? Like yeah. it's not a, yeah. it's it's not a thing that concerns him. It's yeah. maybe it concerns him at some level, but that's not what he's there to talk about. No. no, and in fact, that that absence of morality, the the amorality that he holds, is the reason he got this job in the first place, right? And we mm-hmm. find that out later, very, very explicitly. Yeah, I just find it interesting that we're talking about. That. A morality, and we're talking about, you know, people who are, are are trained to do something that is fundamentally uh, very difficult for most humans to do. Um, at least, 
at least if it's not coming from a place of emotion. And I, and, and I, I just, this is something we brought up very early on in this cast. And I think it's going to be, it's one of the themes that makes the film interesting for me is this, this need for films, the the romanticization of the hitman and the Mm. need to make them humans in ways that don't eliminate the fact their, their ability to do that job and you know we've got all kinds of variations on it you know the classic one is the the, the one last job you know i want out yeah. one last job we've also got the 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 you know he's good at his job therefore this is what he does you know um i mean john wick is borderline parody. i love it to bits but it is borderline parody with the with, with the dog yeah. you know it's like that yeah. That what else could you do at that point historically? You know, there's no more plot lines left. That's it's got to be the dog. But I, I, I think, but I find it interesting that so this comes out three years after Leon, aka America the Professional. Mm. And um, one of the things about that film that I thought that made it so so entertaining at the time was the, I mean, Besson was big, you know, French French comic book influence. So it's much more it's brutal. But there is still the, the the line that's drawn in the sand is 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 literally four words: no women, no kids. And I mm. I I, always, I remember thinking at the time, okay, that's great. You 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 you've drawn a line in the sand for us. But even with that line, he's still far more. And this is what French films do: far more of a of a of an antihero and far more on 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 the cusp of the morality issue. Than 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 blank, you know, blanks joke about the 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 the, the rainbow warrior, the, the 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 fact that he feels this is coming, you know, the, the way he talks as well, just his, you know, Leon is, is 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 quiet, he's almost silent for most of that film, right? And and Renault does so much with the face, and it's it, where and and while Cusack is equally good an actor, it's it's still very much, you know, as you say, the the morality is, uh, the limitations are are. Uh, on screen at least are clearly expressed and yet I, I still wonder to this day why are we so fascinated you know why are we so interested as audiences and also why filmmakers are always so interested I mean was it was it Goddard who said if you you know you putting a gun in the hands of a woman is more interesting because a woman needs a reason to kill um you know which is like his variation on the Chekhov's gun thing you know um mm. But with men, we always go, yeah, okay, well, yeah, we're going to do this. And I feel, I, I feel like Gross Point Bank starts to dig at that a bit and dig around that a bit and start to get into that. You know, what really, yeah. really is? Why do we do that? Why, why do we go and get trained up to it? And why is that a thing that when we boys, you know, we get we it's, it becomes aspirational. Hmm. I, I seem to remember reading a bit about. Um, how Cusack was sort of building his character for this, and he was looking at sort of the Reagan Bush era government officials who were, you know, planning war, planning coups, planning assassinations, and then just going about regular everyday life, going home to their families, going back to their to their jobs, and sitting down at a desk and signing papers and things like that, and um, you know, having just normal life. Uh amongst assassins amongst killers hmm. um which you know i don't know if that answers your question necessarily but I, was, I was sort of thinking about that and then mm-hmm. you know we have a whole a whole 
a whole genre, a shorthand for mm-hmm. blank with a heart of gold, right? Like yeah. you know, hooker with a heart of gold, hitman with a heart of gold, deep with a heart of gold, kind of kind of deal, kind of um, around and and. But there is something particular about the the hitman that you know it kind of brings a different sense of morality to it. Like he kind of twists morality and says, most despicable thing you can do. But, you know, if we, if we twist the ends a little bit, there's, you can find that there is some, some form of of normalcy, some form of morality in them. I I don't know if I got anywhere with that. No, that definitely helps. (laughs) And and in particular, your point about using the eighties as a, as a touchstone for, for, for the character, you know, it goes to the heart of the idea of, of, of the fact that this is about, uh, people who do it as a paid job, right? I mm. mean, you know, rewind to <clears throat> 60s and 70s and we look at films with snipers in them and usually the snipers are either uh, bad guys, you know, and they're doing it because they won't, you know, it's not, they, they won't get in your face where it can be personal, you know, it's the depersonalized mm-hmm. killing. Um, and it's often the, the thing that the lone psycho does, right? I mean, there's the whole you know, four assassinations in six years <laughs> by lone people, and you know, at least one of them does it with us through sniping. And it's, it's there's there's a there's a sense of the person who who, who trains and do uses these things and then goes off and does it for themselves. It, it's not it's there's no there's a lack of honor there, right? The honor is in facing up face to face with your back with your with the good guy, you know. Um, mm. And that's changed now, and that's shifted now. And because he's a person who gets paid, and because it's a business, and because business is good, right? Eighties business yeah. is good, greed <laughs> is good, yeah. right? This is it's killing. Hey, you know, it's a business too, right? Bull, like the line in the spirit, it's a bull market. Like yeah. that's it. That's the thing. That's the thing that makes it so, makes this film's version of it just so interesting. You know, he, as he's yeah. yeah, no, that has nailed it for me. That the idea of the eighties is. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And of course, the punk origins are exactly the thing that would make him, as a scriptwriter and a producer, want to, 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 to put that spin on it. Yep. There's an interesting sort of meta aspect about not Cusack the actor, but Cusack's previous characters, right? Like you, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of high school age misfit characters in his background you know you get your you're better off dead and and one crazy summer sort of a, a you know a pair of films that are essentially the same thing just different sports right mm-hmm. um and then uh you know a sort of semi-perverted misfit in 16 candles and and uh say anything you know he's this character that is going to live outside of society and but whatever uh, you you don't have any trouble seeing any of those characters getting to the point where they freak out, mm. join the army and then something weird happens to them, you know, like, so those meta characters in Cusack's past kind of, you can, you can follow the thread of them mm-hmm. into, into Martin blank, Martin Q blank. What's the Q stand for? I don't know, but, um, I but, uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever, yeah, I don't think it's ever explained. Yeah. yeah. But so it's, um, I sort of lost the thread of that one too, but um, it's a, uh, it's yeah, it, it was just a, yeah, an interesting it's, a, it's an extreme at... outcome for any of those characters, yeah, right? Yeah, not yeah. maybe impossibly extreme, but still right. extreme. Um, mm. 
and I think a, a lot of the allusions to his parents in this film are yeah. quite reminiscent of the kind of home life that he would have had in a lot of those earlier films. Well, well, that, but this is the thing, isn't it? As 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 I think you said um, in a previous episode, David. You know, this this is the uh, you know, and, and you mentioned at the start of this episode, Dave, this this idea that um, you know we're looking at the first Gulf War and when and where that happens, and and the fact that these happy-go-lucky films of the eighties, you know, don't that you don't realize or you don't you don't think when you watch them that some of the characters will be the ones going to war. Yeah, and and actually, this film is the other side of that now, and saying, "Hang on a minute, what happens to those characters?" I mean, I think that's the point you're getting at, isn't it? What happens to yeah. these characters if they're the ones who ended up going to war? I mean, this is it, it, it's either this year or a couple of years later that we get um, Three Kings from David O. Mm-hmm. Russell as well, yeah. which is absolutely superb film, and yeah. again feels very kind of Gen Xy, you know. Lots of humor, lots of conversation, uh, you know, discussions about are we the heroes? Are we are we hmm. not? What are we doing here? Kind of thing. Um, and a bit of a 70s vibe as well in a, in a kind of, you know, uh, uh, Iraq set uh, Kelly's heroes. But 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 that. Yeah, this feels like this. The, yeah, these feel these films all feel of a piece of a moment, um, you know, finding a different way to look at another era's war, a war that is distinctly different to those previous wars. No. Um, yeah. But it's still a war. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how we've somewhat circled back on our earlier statement of this film feeling quite timeless. And this was from you know mm. several episodes ago. And we were talking about how there's very little in this film that actually really dates it. But in the subtext, everything dates it. it... Well, yeah. Except that what I'm starting to realize is how American films cope with individual wars cinematically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause, cause you know, this isn't mash, but you can kind of see how mm-hmm. we get mash. We get Kelly's heroes. We get, you know what I mean? We get yes. first blood, yeah. first blood. We mentioned another time, you know, you're starting yeah. to see these different aspects of, of how Hollywood does different movies. I mean, and, and timeless, this is an interesting thing. I mean, I, I, last year I read, I read, um, because I hadn't read it before, I'd seen it before, but I read Manchurian Candidate because I was teach mm-hmm. I teach Kennedy's assassination every year to year, to, to year nine over here, which is thirteen to fourteen year olds, and yeah. um and and obviously you know essential film, essential book, but but to read a book like that that is several years before that particular historical event and get your head around the fact that people are going, yeah, this is perfectly plausible, perfectly possible, yeah. long before it actually happens in some or at least a version of that aspect of those ideas yeah. manifests itself um, was mind blowing. And, and it's, it's such a, and because it's a, a very traditional piece of pulp writing, it's incredibly short, incredibly sharp, bang, 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 bang. It doesn't feel dated other than the phones and the devices and the occasional mm. language, you know, in the same way that Elmore Leonard, who was who was writing Westerns back then, you know, his style over the decades never really changes. He, he gets better and more refined. But again, that, that precision, that, that kind of, this is all I need to write, and you know what I'm talking about, and that's all you need to see, and this is all I need to have the character say, 
um, that that the purity of American pulp right there um, is something that I think is 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 coming through here as well. And it's that, as you say, it's it's both it's both specific to the period, but also timeless in that sense. Um, you know, I, I think I said in an earlier episode, I don't know if anyone would, would make this film now, and I wouldn't want to see it remade. But that idea of the person who comes back from war programmed in some way mm-hmm. that never goes away no but i yeah. think the way he is dealing with it mm. places the time right yeah. this this the closest analogy to this film in an in a previous time period i can think of is really deer hunter mm. and and in deer hunter you know he attempts to deal with it and that's another film where i don't even think there's all that many references to vietnam specifically right a lot of the time he's out in the woodland a lot of the time there's you know it it would be very hard to date the piece um except for the context in which he's dealing with it and i feel like it's that that's the same here that you know the the 70s way of addressing this was to go out and find yourself in a very you know american ruralist i'm john sorry was the culture yeah yeah um whereas here it's a case of sharing and uh you know opening yourself up and unlocking those things even though that's Mm. challenging and we see him challenge like struggling to 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 achieve that but that i think is a very 90s approach where it's like if you follow these steps if you do these things everything will be fine Mm. um and and i think you know if you try and approach this again now it would have a different outcome. It would be much more ambiguous. It would probably be quite serious and not in a deer hunter way, but in a a different way of a lot of ambiguity, a lot of gray in in that, you know, purported resolution and the realization that it, it ultimately there is no panacea. It's not actually going to be fixed. It just might be a little bit better than it was before. Mm. I mean, and this, this brings us to to the solution or the potential solution in all of this which is not just what is going home about right what is going back home about i mean there, there's two things i think i mean since we've gone deep let's go deep right two things i think are interesting about this one is um that idea that goes all the way back to to beowulf the odyssey you know that the, the the warrior having left society to go and do terrible things to defend that society comes home and cannot be home you know it's mm-hmm. it's the, what john ford manages to summarize in one shot at the end of the searches right <laughs> but that's the kind of the point right the, the warrior is now outside the pale he has done things he, that society will not accept the human doing so there's a bit of that in here which i'd only just realized um from what you were saying dev right there's yeah. a little bit of that in there i mean you know? there is literally the line i can never go home again oatman but i guess you can shop there yeah 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 there you go that's it right there and yeah. then there's the business of men and women or men and a partner and men of you know, the emotional element Right, and whether yeah, or not the, the love of a good woman solves precisely the right, yeah, that, yeah. And, and they're addressing that in an interesting way, and, and I, th- I think that's the fun when we get to it later on. I think that is the fun of their their first interactions. Is it doesn't go like that at yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and again, as you say, very nineties. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yeah, fantastic. 
Okay. Anything else, folks, on this particular one? I was going to say is sort of my last uh, hurrah here on on the uh, on the on the show, uh, and maybe one of your few guests who's actually been to Gross Point, Michigan. Um, I, I want to say that they did a really good job of capturing the spirit of it. I mean, we're, I know we're not actually there in these minutes, but um, you know, without capturing the look of it, I would say like it, when you see it, you're like, that's not gross point, but, um, but they, they did a good job of, of capturing the spirit of it. And I just want to bring up again, the, how like uh, a radio station, like hyper local staffed by like one or two people uh, is just such a, for me, it's like a particular fantasy because I, you know, like I, I love radio and I love um, people who take adventure in radio and I would love to have like, a storefront radio shop down the street from me. Yep. So, um, yep. so if somebody could make that happen, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all. That, that, that's my main. Have you considered uh, traveling to Sicily, Alaska, by any chance? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've been. Uh, you know, get my FCC license for a a, a, a micro tower, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll become the, the town's counselor or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be more fun than being the midnight caller. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, that was a good show, but man, he got into trouble all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yes, David, well, let's hope somebody out there get, can make your dream come true for us. Um, <laughs> so, thank you very much indeed, ladies and gentlemen, and other creatures, whatsoever. All of us out there, the weirdos, the mad ones, the crazy people. This was minute 15 of the Gross Point Blank podcast, Debbie Radio. 79.5 FM featuring co-hosts, co-writers, co-producers Dev Sothergar and Hugh David Today's guest and this week's guest uh, was David Forsyth. Uh, David, one last time, where can we find you? Uh, if you go to moviesbyminutes.com and that's with two S's so it'll be nice and sibilant in the microphone for you um, <laughs> moviesbyminutes.com you'll find a whole slew of other Movies by Minutes podcasts like this one, like mine, Edge of Tomorrow Minute um, and you know they're mostly great. Not all of them. You know who you know who you are turning in the subpar podcasts, but I'm sure this one will be great. Thank you so much. You can find us on all good podcast players, presumably like the one you're listening to this on, uh, <laughs> as well as YouTube, X, aka Twitter. See what I did there? I, I reversed them this time. Yeah, I'm moving with the times, people. And Spotify at Debbie Radio on our website, debbieradio.com. And for all of those, it is D E B I radio and if you do want to talk with us you can find us at the facebook listener group debbie radio 79.5 fm fan club sure was clear that all of this was new concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time 